Greetings and salutations, my podcast friends. Welcome to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher Podcast. It's from October 1st, World Communion Sunday. But, unfortunately, in a way, the message is not about World Communion Sunday, although it can be applied indirectly, because it is about fear. And within the worldwide church community and the worldwide community where there is so much diversity, there is fear. Because people often fear those who are different from them almost intuitively. But I want to hedge that because I also do believe that, that, that for example, racism is learned. It may be learned easily and early, but it is a learned behavior. It is a taught behavior. Um, and without going any further, I'll stop there. I've preached on it before. But this message is about fear. And really, it's more about how we can cultivate a different reaction to our fears. I don't spend any time talking about how other people should react if they're afraid of us. No, it's about the fears that we have, whether they are personal, very personal fears, or if they are fears for the world and the country. Either way, these, these are fears about facing bad circumstances. And that's where the, the, um, the imminent and the transcendent, the personal and the global intersect because we're talking about being afraid of bad circumstances coming or that have arrived. I use Matthew uh, as my primary text, but I also draw from Isaiah 43 and from 1 Peter chapter 3. I hope you find this message uh, easy to follow. At one point, I thought, there might have been a weak flow connection, but but after taking taking another look at it and after rehearsing it once, I I didn't think it was was a was a problem. So I hope that you will follow the message easily, and I hope you will find some inspiration and some hope for coping with the fears that you may have. I also borrow quite a bit here and there from a book by the Reverend John Ortberg. The book, as I say in the beginning of the sermon, is called, If You Want to Get Out of the Water, excuse me, If You Want to Walk on the Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. It is one of the more influential books that I have read, and it does have to do, in part, in dealing with our fears to step out and follow Christ. When he calls us, staying in the boat, which gets easier and easier each time we say no to getting out of the boat, can end up, as I say at one point, can end up not so well for those who stay back. Because I'll just stop there. <laughs> Please listen, then you'll hear me lift this up. But I really want to emphasize the positive um, about stepping out, getting out of the boat. We can do it by the grace of God and realizing a lot of different things. And getting out and facing our fear and finding in facing our fear an opportunity for growth, spiritual growth, is what I hope people will, one of the things I hope people will, will, will get out of this message. 
And so, though I should have retitled this instead of On Fear, should have been Dealing with Fear, I leave you now to the lector and reading the scriptures and then the message. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will see you on the other side. In 1 Peter, we hear, Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. One, one way you and I are able to do that is to know our Bible pretty well, as well as our own personal spiritual experiences. We're about to hear some passages from the Bible meant to build up our faith. So let us be ready to listen. One of the best ways to prepare the way of the word is prayer. So we ask you to please join me now in the spirit of prayer for the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Prepare our hearts and minds, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, so that hearing your word we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first passage is Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. The Lord gives Israel reason not to fear an uncertain, an uncertain future after release from exile in Babylon. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. <clears throat> I, I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear. For I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, Give them up, and to the south, Do not withhold. Bring my sons away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This ends the reading from Isaiah. Our epistle lesson is, is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. He was writing to the exiles of the, the dispersion in several regions. Those are Jews scattered outside Palestine, but now would be Christians or Jewish Christians, maybe, also scattered outside of Palestine. These believers, like so many in the New Testament era, era are undergoing suffering for their faith. Peter addresses this head-on. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? 
But even if you do suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that, when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. This ends the reading from 1 Peter. Thank you, choir. Well, those who are able, please stand up for the reading of the gospel. Today the gospel is Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. This tells a story of what happened after Jesus and the disciples fed the 5,000, which, which number did not include women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here ends the reading of the Gospel and the scriptures for today's service. Thanks be to God for this, the Word of God, for the people of God. Let me begin with an abbreviated version of a story from one of the Reverend John Ortberg's books. The book is called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. He wrote, Some years ago, my wife arranged for us to ride in a hot air balloon as a birthday gift. We went to the field where the balloons ascended and got into a little basket with one other couple. We introduced ourselves and swapped vocational information. And then our pilot began the ascent. The day had just dawned. Crisp, clear, cloudless. It was scenic inspiring and majestic. 
But I also experienced one emotion I had not anticipated. Want to guess? Fear. I had always thought those baskets went up about chest high, but this one only came up to our knees. One good lurch would be enough to throw someone over the side. So I held on with grim determination and white knuckles. About this time, I decided I'd like to get to know the kid who was flying this balloon. I asked him what he did for a living and how he got started flying hot air balloons. I was hoping for his former job to be one full of responsibilities. A neurosurgeon, perhaps. <laughs> I knew we were in trouble when his response began, dude, it's like this. <laughs> he did not even have a job. He mostly surfed. He said the reason he got started flying hot air balloons was that he'd been driving around in his pickup when he'd had too much to drink, crashed the truck, badly injuring his brother. His brother still couldn't get around too well, so watching hot air balloons gave him something to do. By the way, he added, if things get a little choppy on the way down, don't be surprised. I've never flown this particular balloon before, and I'm not sure how it's going to handle the descent. My wife looked over at me and said, you mean to tell me we are a thousand feet up in the air with an unemployed surfer who started flying hot air balloons because he got drunk, crashed a pickup, injured his brother, and has never been in this one before, and doesn't know how to bring it down? The great question at a moment like that is, can I trust the pilot? I could, tell, I could try telling myself that everything would be turn out okay. Facing the flight with a positive attitude would certainly make it a more pleasant journey. And the real issue, oh, but, and the journey would be over soon. And the real issue concerned the dude who was flying this thing. Were his character and competence such that I could confidently place my destiny in his hands. Ortberg continued, every day you and I take another leg of our journey on this giant balloon that's swirling around a vast universe. We only get one trip. I long to take it with an enormous spirit of adventure and risk. I'll bet a lot of you do too, but it's a pretty uncertain ride sometimes. I wish the walls of my basket went up a little higher. I wish the balloon was a little bit thicker. I wonder how my little ride will end up. I'm not sure how it will handle on the way down. I can try to psych myself up for taking chances, believing everything will turn out okay. But the real question is, is there somebody piloting this thing? And are his character and competence such that, I, that he can be trusted? Because if they're not, I don't want to take a chance. My story, like every human story, is, at least in part, the struggle between faith and fear. Thank you, John Ortberg. And sometimes it is between faith and hope. I'm indebted to Rich Schneider, who in his book, talked about that's the tension between fear and hope. And of course, you would also need hope if you're going to be like Peter. Fear, an emotion 
a dynamic that sucks up a lot of energy these last several years. Now, fear is not a bad thing. We know there are ideologies and perhaps people and things that are wise to be afraid of. And normally now, I'd list a bunch of things that you and I and or the church can fear. People fear change. People fear confrontation. People fear running out of money. I fear running out of gas, etc. But rather than do that, I was led to look at the scriptures to see what fear they addressed and to try to let that guide the fears and addressing those fears. And so we heard in Isaiah, the prophet spoke to exiles about to leave Babylon or possibly exiles still in Babylon or those who have now returned to the Holy Land to start anew. They feared some bad circumstances. The Lord told them, do not fear, because God had called them by name. They belong to God. Thus, when you pass through the waters, not if, but when, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Circumstances of very probable persecution and suffering, and the people who returned to Jerusalem to rebuild it, if you know that part of the scripture, they did undergo harassment and persecution when they tried to rebuild Jerusalem. Circumstances of difficulty symbolized in Isaiah by overpowering forces of nature. Do not fear the circumstances that come your way, God said. I will be with you. In 1 Peter, the disciples he was writing to were told not to fear the suffering that would come along with persecution for their faith and by showing their faith by deeds of love. And you think, who's, as he wrote, who's going to hurt you if you're doing what's right? But he knew and we know that there are people who still will take delight in hurting you for doing good. Circumstances of opposition. Circumstances. And in Matthew, it was also a set of circumstances related to extreme weather, not symbolic. The disciples' lives were in danger sitting in that boat and may have been for First Peter's readers also. Now, these may not be what you and I are afraid of specifically, but we do often fear parts of our circumstances, present and future. Our fears can be very personal and known to no one else. Our fears can be as wide as the climate crisis and white supremacist groups who dare to claim the cross. Whichever way our fearful circumstances lean, and they may be both ways, I, I find Reverend Ortberg's question and the deeds of Peter and Jesus compelling. You'll remember John saying, the real question is, is there somebody piloting this thing? And are his character and competence such that he can be trusted? Hold that thought, and let's add this one. Simon Peter reframed his storm-tossed fear into an opportunity to get closer to Christ and walk down the water. That's what he wanted to do. He saw this opportunity, and he took that. Jesus caught him then when his fears, he let his fears replace Jesus as his focus. You and I can find life 
in the face of fear here, too. This is one way to take our fears on. I mentioned that Peter somehow saw those circumstances of fear a chance to grow closer to Christ who was walking towards them. I believe this is special sight and spiritual insight. It's also a pivot point in this message. Is this ever something you and I see too in our own situations of intimidation? Peter asked, and Jesus greenlit the idea of Peter coming to him and called him. John Ortberg, in that same book, observed that. This is a different thing. I haven't read this before. He said that there is a consistent pattern in Scripture of what happens in a life that God wants to use and improve. First, he lists the sense of God's call upon the person. Second, in this pattern in Scripture of what happens in a life God wants to use and improve, he wrote, there is always fear. God has an inextinguishable habit of asking people to do things that are scary to them. It may be a fear of inadequacy, a fear of failure. It may even be a fear of God. But one way or another, there will be fear. Later, he said in this consistent pattern in Scripture of what happens in a life that God wants to use and improve, there is always a changed life. Pointing to the example of Peter getting out of the boat and onto the water, he wrote, because they say yes to God, they learn and grow even from their failures. And they become part of God's actions to redeem the world. Those who say no are changed too. When we are afraid, we might ask, is there somebody piloting this thing? Are his or her character and competence such that he or she can be trusted? For Christians, we are probably asking about God. Isaiah 43 begins with the claim that God is, not using the term pilot, but that God is the pilot and much more. Thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I who have created you, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine, because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. The very creator of Israel is the one, capital O, the very is the one the Israelites can find who has the character and competence so as to be trustworthy despite the, ex despite the exile. In First Peter, we heard Beth read, do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Now the word for intimidated, terrasso, can also mean be shaken up, frightened, disturbed, and it often implies emotional turmoil. One of my professors at Bethel College, Dr. Grudem, wrote, the alternative to fear is to focus attention on someone else. And then he quotes, but in your hearts reverence Christ as Lord. Our translation has sanctify Christ as Lord. He continues, thus the sense of 
reverence for, lo- for the Lord rather than the fear of others is reinforced. But in your hearts, reverence Christ as Lord. To reverence Christ as Lord means really to believe that Christ and not one's human opponents is truly in control of events. To have such reverence in your hearts is to maintain continually a deep-seated inward confidence in Christ as reigning Lord and King. End quote. Well, that helps us answer Ortberg's question. And when Jesus greets the disciples already well shaken by the storm at sea, and now what looks like a ghost coming towards them, Jesus said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now the it is I in Greek is actually ego eimi, which means I, I am. And that in Hebrew is what Yahweh said to Moses when Moses said he needed a name to give this God who was sending him to liberate them from Egyptian slavery. I am can also be, so it's a claim to divinity. Some of you recall that in a dispute, Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Ego, me. That's who comes to frighten disciples. And that's who said, okay, Peter, come to me on the water. Ego, me. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Is there somebody piloting this thing? And are his or her character and competence such that he or she can be trusted? Can I trust the love and power of the God who made heaven and earth and who sent his only begotten son to suffer and die to save a sinful world? Can we trust that love even if we're afraid to face our fear down, get out of the boat and somehow get closer to God? Dealing with our fears does give us chances to grow. No one says it's easy. Ortberg points out that spiritual growth requires taking risks. Getting closer to God eventually requires taking risks. It needs us to hear his call to get out of our boat. And the more often that we do trust Jesus enough and hope in Jesus enough to, to, for that to take care of us, for him to take care of us when we follow him, And when we can then face our fear and face Christ enough to get out of the boat comfort zone, when we do that and then can do it, it gets a little bit easier each time. Just like staying in the boat. And we're called. And we stay in the boat. That gets easier each time too. And it does not lead to a great, healthy, spiritual end. Also, we discover as we seek to face our fears and hope and believe for a spiritual growth and getting closer to God through that, we discover something else. Fear never goes away. That's good news. Why is it good news? Because if we know already that fear is a built-in part of the process of growth, we might be able to domesticate it, if you will. Yeah, I know it's coming. It's not going to make it easy, but we know we've gone through this before. Here it comes. We have experienced fear, and with the help of God, we have been brave enough and hopeful enough to go out and get closer to Christ, to take that risk. And we can do so again and again, because we know, hey, fear's going to be there. It's just part of the deal. We've experienced overcoming that. 
we've been given the bravery to face the fear and to get out of the boat because we are being called and we want to follow the one who calls us. We have experienced when dealing with our fears that someone else who never goes away is the triune God. The Spirit of God, the Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one on whom we focus our attention rather than the storm so we can stay afloat and stay walking and keep getting closer to Christ. Ortberg wrote, and with this I close, I believe that there is something, someone, inside us who tells us there is more to life than sitting in the boat. You were made for something more than merely avoiding failure. And I would add, avoiding our fears. There is something inside us that wants to walk on the water to leave and abandon ourselves to the high adventure of following God. Following God who leads us through those waters and those flames to become less fearful of our circumstances and more intent on staying close and growing closer with the lover of our soul and of humankind. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is one of those sermons that I, I could say more than others, but I really would say it about all of my sermons. It is aimed at me as well as anyone who hears this sermon. I called it a homily, but it, it really is almost sermon length. I'm not going to quibble about this one. Um, but it really is one that I need to hear and I need to try to live out myself. And uh, we're in this together. A lot of us sit, sit alone in our fear because of shame of sharing that, yeah, we're kind of afraid of this, especially when it comes to spiritual issues. If we've got a spiritual weakness uh, that we're working on, you know, I think it takes some courage to find uh, a, a couple of or a community of fellow Christians whom you can share this with and pray for, pray with them, ask for them to pray for your encouragement and your empowerment to say yes to Christ to risk what you need to risk, to risk whatever fears are threatening you to follow Christ and find, wow, there is some unexpected blessings, including that of Christ saving our butt when we start to sink because we failed. Don't worry. Do not be discouraged. Neither be dismayed. I'm so grateful for all of you who turn to the redheaded preacher on any kind of basis to listen to what uh, the Holy Spirit has to offer, I hope it's through the Holy Spirit, has to offer through the messages that I preach. Again, as always, I ask that God will bless you and that God will bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes 
wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.